For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love Barnabas the Encourager. I want to be like Barnabas. As we're going through uh, the life of Barnabas, seeing how he encouraged and how the the, uh, disciples named him the son of consolation, which means encouragement. And so we can all be a Barnabas. We can all be an encourager. We can all speak life into somebody else. Amen. The Bible says that there is life and death, that the power of life and death is in the tongue. So what you say, the words that you say, have more power than you can ever imagine. They have more influence on somebody else's life than you can ever imagine. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 tells us, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Do you know that the mighty apostle Paul, who penned love the New Testament, who murdered Christians before he got saved, that Barnabas was a great encourager in his life. That Barnabas believed in the Apostle Paul, before the disciples did. Do I dare say that Barnabas obeyed God? Has there ever been someone that you thought, there's no way they got saved? There's no way. I know what they did. Well, can you imagine the Apostle Paul who would go to people's houses and drag them out and have them stoned, have them murdered, have them killed, have them thrown in prison? And then for this man, Barnabas, to go after him and say, He got saved. He's born again. He preached boldly in Damascus as he did in Acts chapter 9 and verse 27. But Barnabas took him, took who? Took Paul and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Barnabas took him and put his reputation on the line and said, I believe in this man. I've seen it with my own eyes. His life has changed. His heart has changed. He's sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was preaching boldly in Damascus. Because do I dare say, would the disciples have ever accepted the Apostle Paul if Barnabas hadn't obeyed God and did what he told him to do? You can be a Barnabas in somebody's life. You can be an encouragement in somebody's life. You can encourage them to serve the Lord. Will you be willing to obey God and leave all the consequences up to Him? Say, God, I'm going to obey you, 
and everything else is left up to you. Whatever happens, it's on you. I did what you told me to do. And I can tell you this, that the Bible says that his word, God's word will not return void. It will accomplish the work and the mission that God has set out to achieve. It is simply my job and your job to be an obedient Christian. The greatest thing you ever do in your entire life is just simply be obedient and let God do the work. And you see, when you do that, you're humbling yourself. You're giving God all the glory. Why? Because it really all belongs to Him. As I remember what one man said, I'll never forget it, when something's, and I, I found this to be true, when something's truly of God, three things will happen. God will initiate it, God will sustain it, and God will get the glory out of it. Amen? And you can mark it down. When something's from God, those three things will happen. God will initiate it, God will sustain it, and God will get the glory out of it. There was a man named R.G. Letourneau. This man was a mechanical genius, and he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And he had a business, and he knew something about giving like Barnabas did. Barnabas was a giver of his not only his, his uh, influence, but also of his possessions. The Bible says that he had land, he sold it, and he gave the money to the disciples to be used for the work of the Lord. And this man, R.G. Eterno, his business grew and it gave greater and greater percentage of the work to the Lord. And as his business grew, he would give more. And he became a multimillionaire and he gave even more. He built churches and Christian colleges. By the end of his life, this man was given over 90% of his income to the cause of Christ, to the work of the Lord. He had learned that to give to God is a good thing. He had learned that you can't outgive God. But to whom much is given, much is required, the Bible says. If God gives you much, much is required. God's not given to you so you can be stingy. God's not given to you so you can be wealthy, so you could be rich. God's given to you so that you can give to others and give to the work of the Lord. Amen. Like C.S. Lewis put it when he said, I'm afraid biblical charity is more than merely giving away that which we could afford to do without anyway. That's a powerful statement. When biblical charity is more than just giving away of what I can, I can go without anyways. In other words, if I have $5 in a drawer and I have $5 million in the bank and I pull that $5 out and I say, well, I'm going to give this to the Lord. It didn't cost you anything to give that to the Lord. It didn't really mean anything to you because it had not much value. Now, if you would have took half your money and give it to the Lord, yeah. You know why? It might put a little stress on you. you go, I'm, I'm going to have to depend on the Lord now. Amen? All right, you're right where God wants you to be, where you can depend upon Him. Amen? John Bunyan, who wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, wrote, A man there was, and they called him mad. The more he gave, the more he had well that's that's just putting it so simple isn't it the more he gave the more he had and you i can hear you now maybe you think well i've been tithing for 10 years i've been tithing for 20 years and i'm not making hardly much more but maybe it's not just talking about returning of money 
Maybe it's talking about keeping your heart right with the Lord when you tithe the way that you should. Maybe it's talking about keeping your family where they ought to be when you tithe like you should. Maybe it's talking about keeping your countenance and your attitude and your character right with the Lord where it ought to be. And God returns something to you that you can't buy with money. And that is character. That is integrity. That is your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. God even gives you the strength to do that. Because in the hard times, it's easy to blame God. You go, well, God, why would you allow this to happen? God didn't allow that to happen. Sin entered into the world. And by sin, death passed upon all men. And the truth is, a lot of times we can't blame the devil for our own mistakes, for our own heart. Because I, I know that I'm, I have so much sin inside of me. So much wrongdoing, if I let my mind wander, it'll run away from me. I have to reel it back in. And each and every one of us are like that. You have to keep yourself in check. And with you tithing, it helps keep your heart in check. Because you're turning the trust over to God. You're turning uh, your reliance over to Him. And you're saying, Lord, I'm going to rely on you. And can I just say that's exactly where God wants you to be? There was a, a French politician named Marcus de la Fette. He was a French general and a politician who joined the American Revolution and became best friends with George Washington. He was a very influential man. And the harvest of 1784, that, that was a poor harvest. It really was. But the manager of that man's field was, was very savvy, very smart. And he saved a lot of wheat in those barns that he had. And a bad harvest came. And people were dying. People were starving. And that manager said, he told the owner, he said, this is the time to sell. The price is up. Demand is high. He said, this is the time. This is the time to sell. And that man Lafayette thought about those hungry people, those hungry people that were in great need in those villages and those towns. And he said, no, this is the time to give. His heart was right with the Lord, ladies and gentlemen. When you see somebody hurting, when you see somebody struggling, uh, and you have the means to help them, can I just say it is a God-honoring thing to give to them. Whatever it may be, the Bible says, if you give a cool cup of water in my name, you shall in no wise lose your reward. You mean to tell me that God puts a lot of value even if I give a cold cup of water to somebody? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. He sure does. When you give it, as a matter of fact, the Bible even says it's like you're giving it to Jesus himself. When you give something to somebody and they can't afford to ever pay you back, God puts much value on that. You know why? That's what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you and for me when he died on that cross. Amen. Real love is often measured by our willingness to let go of what we possess and give unto the Lord. That's what I said, real love. You can measure it by what you're willing to let go of. And a lot of times in the home, it's pride or it's what well, I want to be first. I want what I want. And can I just tell you, that, that'll make a miserable home. That'll make a miserable marriage. That'll make a miserable church. That'll make a miserable job. That'll make a miserable anything that you put where people want to be the first priority, where people want what I want. 
It doesn't matter what anybody else's want. I want my way. Well, can I just say that's pride? And it will destroy everything around you. Pride is a destroyer of people, of relationships, of marriages, of homes, of churches, of businesses, of job places. Anything that you can think of, pride can be at the core center of it because pride says, I want what I want. I can tell you this, if you got an anger problem, you got a pride problem. Yes, sir, I said that. If you have an anger problem, yes, ma'am, I said that. If you have an anger problem, you have a pride problem because it comes out of the heart of saying, I want what I want or how dare you or this, that, or the other. That's pride rising up, uh, wanting to make a point and get a point across. There was a farmer known for giving, and he always had more. And his, other, his farmer friends would look and say, how in the world does that farmer have more than we? And he gives twice as much as, as we do. He keeps giving and giving, yet he has more and more. How in the world? And they finally went and asked him, how in the world do you have all, more than all of us? We have the same size farms, but you give way more than we do. But yet you have more. And he said, I keep shoveling into God's bin. And God keeps shoveling into mine, but God has a bigger shovel. And can I just say the same in your life? When you keep shoveling toward God, I'm talking about shoveling your tithes, shoveling your blessings, shoveling everything that you have, your time, your money, your possessions, your influence, your power, everything. You shovel it to God, God's going to shovel it right back to you. But God has a bigger shovel. And why? So he, you can have more notes so that you can shovel more back to Him, then He can shovel more to you i honestly believe that because if god wanted you to be rich he could make you rich real easy maybe he don't trust you with it and that's why you're not rich oh that's kind of a stinger isn't it it's like how can you say that preacher well because i can say that the bible says to whom much is given much is required maybe god knows that'll destroy you destroy your family and god says no you don't need that that is bad for you. And you, do you know that even the worldly people have caught on to that? They've made a documentary about people who have gone broke that are lotto winners. And if you watch that, they, these people won millions of dollars and every one of them, it wrecked their life. Every last one of them wrecked their life. Their marriage, their home, their children, everything that they had, after it wrecked it, most of them wound up completely flat broke. That's amazing, isn't it? To win millions of dollars and it ruins your family and your marriage and your home and your children and then you wind up broke anyways. More than one of them said, I wish I'd have never won that money. So maybe God looks at you and says, you know what, Michael? You don't need that. That is bad for you. It will hurt you. It'll hurt your family. It'll hurt your marriage. It hurts everything about you. And God says, I'm protecting you by not giving you that. Whatever it is you think that you might need, maybe it's a higher position. Maybe it's more money. Maybe it's a bigger building. I do not know. But maybe God is just protecting you saying, no, you don't need that. And so as we're talking about Barnabas, Barnabas was a giver. Can you say that you're a Barnabas in today's world? Can you be a Barnabas in today's world? Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. You can. Once people decide to give, they will also seek to serve. 
Let me say that again. Once you decide, once you, I'm not talking about the people down the street or your neighbor or the guy beside you in the pew. Once you decide to give to God, you will also seek to serve him. Why? Because you have given him your heart already. And that same attitude that leads you, leads believers to be generous with your money and your influence will lead you also to give greatly and generously of your time and your abilities. Here again, we find those who want to serve God want to imitate God. Let me say that again. Just like Barnabas, those who want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ want to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 26 and 28 tells us, But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The Bible says you want to be a chief, you need to be a servant. Well, you go, well, that don't even make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. That's what the Bible says. If you want to be chief, you've got to be a servant. That goes against the grain of the world. Do you understand that? That goes totally against the grain of the world. They will see you as weak. They will see you as I can run you over. But God will see you as a great man or a great woman, a great leader, a great pastor, a great church, a great song leader, a great, just a, a, a great church member, if you're willing to serve. So if you want to lead, you want to be chief, you first got to serve, and it goes hand in hand. So in many ways, Barnabas illustrated Christ's likeness in his life. He realized, listen to me, he realized that ministry was not all about him, but it was about being a blessing to those around him. Let me say that again. He realized, like you and I need to realize every day, that being in ministry or doing ministry is not all about me, it's not all about you. It's all about being a blessing to those around you. Did the Lord Jesus Christ make his ministry about being great? No, he made his ministry about blessing those that were around him. If you want to imitate Christ, that is what you have got to do. Do you have a job or do you have a ministry? Those are good questions. Whatever it is you're doing for the Lord, if you're doing it just well enough to get by, it's a job. If you're doing it to the absolute best of your ability, it's a ministry. If you're committed to staying with it, even when it means letting go of other things that you like, that you enjoy, you got a ministry. If you stay with it, even though no one seems to notice or no one seems to care, you have a ministry from the Lord. You stay with it. A great church is filled with people who are performing a ministry. A great ministry is people who are filled with doing ministry work. Amen? When you're doing it 
out of your love for the Lord Jesus Christ that he called you to do it. God told me to do this. I don't need anybody else to pat me on the back, to lift me up. Although those things are nice, don't get me wrong, but careful, all of a sudden you'll switch, you'll shift gears and you'll start going, well, you know what? I'm going to start trying to please them. That's where all my gratification's coming from. They're telling me I'm doing a great job. They're lifting me up. They're giving me all kind of affirmation. They're giving me all kind of accolades. I'm going to start doing things that looks like I'm serving them. Even though it's, I'm saying it's all about God, but I'm looking for my reward from them. Careful for that, Christian. Nobody is above that. There's not a pastor. There's not a preacher. There's not a missionary. There's not a person that is above that. Why? Because our human nature, our flesh is drawn to that. Like, like a, a bug to a light zapper. You are drawn to that. But when you finally get it, bam! It tears you apart and God will step in and God may allow it to tear you apart. Why? So that it puts your eyes back on Him, amen, where they ought to be. Make sure that you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ and the love you have for Him. Barnabas exhorted the saints. He sure did. In Acts chapter 11, verse 23, who, when he had came, had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. The biblical word for cleave here means to bond in a very, very personal way. Just as a, a husband would bond to cleave to his wife, but in a much greater way that is hard to even explain with words. Barnabas urged the Christians, us Christians, you too and me too, to bond with the Lord like a strong super glue that cannot be pried away. I want you to melt yourself to Him. What an amazing challenge for us today. What an amazing challenge for the church today. What an amazing challenge for Christians today that our words and our lives would encourage other people to literally become one with the Lord Jesus Christ. Your actions, your words. Barnabas wanted the believers of today and the believers back then to cleave to the Lord in a very personal and a very possessive way. Amen. Be glued to him, melted to him. You build your house on the rock. Hey, there's something to that. You hear me? When you build your house on the rock, it's steady when the storm comes. But when you build your house on the sand, it could be washed away. Do you know there's a good Bible principle there? When you lay on the sand, everybody loves the sand. You know why? The sand is soft. The sand conforms to you. You could make a sand angel. You could see where your head laid. It moves it to you. You could make a comfortable seat in the sand. It'll mold to you. But when you lay on that rock, oh, that rock's not going to change. You know what that rock's going to do? That rock's going to leave impressions on you. That rock's going to change you. When you get up from laying on that rock, you're liable to have a bunch of red dots and pokes and prods all over you. Because that rock's not going to change. But it's going to change you. And hey, when you build yourself on the rock, it's not going to change. It's going to change you. Everybody loves the sand. You hear me, Christian? Everybody loves the sand. You've got to learn to love that rock because it is good for you. It's changing me for the good so that I shine and I act and I walk and I talk 
like the Lord at Jesus Christ. Amen. Learn to love that rock. Learn to love those hurts and that pains and those those where it just mashes you and pricks you and hurts you and my back hurts and my neck hurts. Why? Because I've been laying on the rock and it's been changing me into the image and into the shape of the Lord Jesus Christ. Learn to love that Christian. Amen. Be like Barnabas in today's world. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs. Located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.